0: Museum of the Moving Image welcomes you to the Pinewood Dialogues Online, an archive of conversations with innovative creative figures in film, television, and digital media. Visit Museum of the Moving Image in New York City or online at www.movingimage.us. Please welcome Leslie Manville, Timothy Spall, and Mike Lee. Thanks so much for being with us. One thing that really struck me about this movie is the physical beauty. I just wondered if you could talk about that first before we get into the performance and the writing. What, what are some of your ideas in terms of the way you use space?
1: Well, it's hard to talk about that as a kind of abstract thing. Mm-hmm. This, of course, is a film about people, mm-hmm. but it is a film about place as well. Yeah. And I mean, certainly speaking personally, I am... Um, endlessly, though I'm primarily motivated to make films about people and relationships and love and, you know, feelings, which is what this film's about, Um, that element which is also about place and the poetry of place and the spirit of place is very much something that informs this film. Making films, as everybody here knows, is um, a very practical business, I mean, you know, Writing a novel is in itself, uh, I guess, a practical process. You've got to actually write the novel. And <clears throat> What we try and do with this kind of film is to make movies with the same kind of um, organic freedom that other people write novels. And, um, but it is finally about being out in places with characters in, you know, mm-hmm. and, and looking at them. And in some way, which is hard to explain, um, when we made this film, it was curiously blessed with a sort of extraordinary um, run of, um, well, I suppose at the lowest you could call good luck. So, for example, we evolved the characters and the notions for this film over when we actually rehearsed for some six months before we started to shoot anything. And during the earlier part of that, I sort of decided that, yes, it would all take place on this um, public housing estate. And um, when I said that to the design team, they were horrified because, famously, these kind of places where there are hundreds of people all living in apartments are very difficult to shoot in. It upsets people's lives and, and people are not necessarily very friendly when you want to go and film and so forth. But I was insistent, and we were developing the film in the district of Greenwich um, in London. And I said, in an ideal world, we'd find an estate in Greenwich. And they said, well, that's a very tall order, you know, very unlikely. And a couple of weeks later, the location scout, as you call them here, (laughs) came and said, amazing, we found this. Housing estate right in the middle of Greenwich, and the great thing about it is it's empty. Everybody's been moved out, and it's, we can do a deal with them, and it's completely available. And the designer and I went to see Eve Stewart, we went to see it, and of course, it could have been uh, available and empty and horrible and not the least bit inspiring, but in fact, it had an extraordinary poetry about it in mm-hmm. itself. So as I say, obviously it is all about the characters and the relationships, but to be able to put them in this environment and to get kind of real uh, inspiration back from what you could see—that's the buzz of filmmaking.
0: Now you talked about a six-month rehearsal process, which is, of course, extraordinary for film. It certainly, is here. How is the writing process separate from the rehearsal process for you?
1: In what we do, um, the important thing is that we arrive at a film. Mm-hmm. and that we, we eventually arrive at something which is very precise. Yes. But um, there isn't a separate writing process. I mean, and when, and when we finally, having created the characters and the relationships and the whole world of, um, at the time of shooting, when we actually pin down moment for moment exactly what happens down to the last um, word or the last moment, um, that is done through rehearsal. It's written through rehearsal. I don't go away and write something like that because these guys contribute something, which is absolutely organic and three-dimensional.
0: What is the preparation process? Uh, is it you know the sort of idea of method acting is that you go and you know you would like drive a cab for six months, but um, to get into character, how do you find your character?
2: Method acting. Uh, I've never read about it, but I presume it's just about knowing where your character has come from and where they they might be going to, or invariably not where they're going to, because like most human beings, they don't know where they're going to. Uh, They may have various appointments, but on the whole, they don't know what destiny (laughs) 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 is. So, I mean, but I assume that it's it's the entire exercise of um, the rehearsal is about creating a whole um, sort of parallel universe to a certain degree of, information and fact about these people that you're going to eventually depict in a movie uh, and it's more to do with preparation isn't it than it is to do with rehearsing what you're going to end up doing. It's all about creating an entire uh, lagoon, a huge lagoon of information that eventually becomes part of the psyche and the physicality of the characters and just the mere uh, day-to-day uh, information, shared information often about you know what um, what makes these people's lives so. Um, you know, so it probably is method, but I mean, most people who talk about method haven't read Stanislavski. Mm-hmm. I think it just means it looks real when they when they when they watch it.
0: That's just true. to take one scene as, a, as an example, I mean, the scene when you say that she doesn't love you. You know, that very powerful scene, um, and it is it's it is played very precise. It certainly mm. doesn't feel improvised, and every line of dialogue seems very. Well, well, it isn't. Is but improvise. could you talk about how that's how that scene evolved, for example,
2: how you worked on that? Well, it, the, the simple fact is that the, everything you see on screen is not improvised. It's structured and it's shot and it's uh, rehearsed exactly the same way as any other uh, scene is made uh, in a film. Um, but it's just the tip of the iceberg of the preparation you've made, as it were. I mean, um, because you because you know these characters inside out. Um, Psychologically, more than you know yourself because you've created your, them and you haven't created yourself to a certain degree. You know, due the, through the process of rehearsal and um, preparation, you know where they stand. You know where they are at the moment where they are. You never know what's going to become of them. Mm-hmm. So, by the time that uh, my character Phil expressed his despair, which is what he's carrying with him right from the beginning of the movie, although he doesn't understand it until. French lady says to him, Do you love your wife? <laughs> um, when we have actually eventually did the improvised scene that those scenes were based on, my character was desperate, not me, my character was desperate to express himself. It was so needed to be said, and it wasn't in any sense planned and it wasn't in any sense uh, contrived. It happened to come out in, a, in an improvisation that I think, Leslie, I don't, you can say, I don't know what you say from from Penny's point of view. Um.
3: Well, I mean, just to sort of add to that, I've found that a lot of the um, press that, that we've been doing lately, a lot of people have said to me, um, you know, why didn't Penny stand up to her son, and why did she never say to Phil, get your act together, or whatever. But the process is, is not about um, sitting down and making sort of decisions, like, oh, let's make her like this, mm-hmm. or, why doesn't she say that? It, it, it does evolve in quite a sort of pure way. And it, when people have said to me, why doesn't she stand up to them, it's, it's quite a hard question to answer because the thing is, she just doesn't. And the, she just doesn't because um, of, of the girl that we created and the teenager that we created and then the woman that we created. You know, she was all of those things as a, as a, a person always. And so... When the film begins and picks her up as a late 30s, whatever she is, old woman, she she is the product of everything that she was, which is why the process, the build-up to the filming works because um, it's about creating a three-dimensional character that then takes care of itself really you don't ever have to think how how will she react in this situation because you just put the characters in the situation and it happens and at the end of the film you know you you give these two people who have stopped communicating with each other for so many years and you, you give them an event like their son having a heart attack and it brings out of them both the, the uh, ability to finally say what they feel
2: Yeah, painful an awful ability to actually confront, because like most people, these characters don't have any control. Uh, they don't have any particularly self-authorship about what they're going to do. They're there, there's some total of their despair, and there's some total of their frustrations. And, uh, and so, when they eventually do it, because of the process, it feels like it's actually real for the character, not for you. You don't use yourself; you use the characters' predicament, because it's a very precise ring fence around you and your character, Um, so as I say because the process only allows you to know where you are precisely at that given time in situ, you can't predict what's going to become of you
0: so you when know. you're filming that, you don't know that the ending, for example, is gonna be really a very optimistic no, no,
2: you only know what your character yeah. knows. <laughs> like <Light> life.
0: <laughs> now You've said that uh, filmmakers should aspire to the condition of the documentary filmmaker, not that movies should look like documentaries, but that, could you uh, elaborate on that?
1: If you make a documentary, I mean you, the subject matter exists whether you film it or not. I say, and I only say that because it's the case with any number of dramatic fictional films, feature film, that it's kind of fake and that it only exists in a sort of implausible two-dimensional way just in front of the camera. There's no sense that it exists, that it would exist whether you film it or not. So I said that, which is a, not to be taken too literally, as, a, as an expression of that Mm-hmm. Aspiration in making these kind of films to create a world in front of the camera where you really do feel it's living and it isn't just a kind of artifice that only exists at the moment when the camera turns over.
0: Food is so important in this film, how people eat, what they eat. And actually, if any of you could just sort of talk about how this evolved, this sort of.
1: Well, I would simply say, um, n- not to dwell on it, that it's simply part of the of what their lives is about, really. And uh, I don't think I would want to, for us to dwell
0: mm-hmm.
1: in any depth on it as a kind of basis for anybody's thesis, really.
0: How long are you actually shooting, like, once you do start the shooting? How, how 12 weeks. Your, your character, his eyes kept darting around all over the place and the was always looking aside. And, uh, is that somebody that you've encountered, or...?
2: I don't know. I mean, characters. Tend to be based on some of your various people you may have known, that um, they quickly become their own personalities. Uh, it's hard to speak objectively; one one can only do it after the event. But looking back on it, one one of the obs- one of the aspects of his character was that he was totally un- aspirational and completely un- uh, uh, completely non wasn't interested in being successful in in the first. Also, he was very, um, quite an intelligent man uh, with, no, with very little education, but is very perspicacious in a sense about people who are very aware of people around him, very aware of his situation. But having said all these things, uh, absolutely no ambition, he's completely and utterly and eminently ignorable as far as the rest of humanity is concerned. I mean, most of the time, people react to the back of his head. They don't see him. They just see this greasy hair. And they put what they want onto him. So they don't ever really uh, connect with him. The one person who does is the, incongruously, is the sophisticated French antique dealer who he encounters. Um, no one else really, as far as his clientele, for want of a better word, uh, really. So, But what he is, he's bright, uh, aware of what's going on, but he's in a state of great melancholy because of what's, what's bugging him about his life, which he doesn't really become aware of until the French lady asks him directly whether he loves his wife or not. And uh, So I think that's what it is. He's, he, he's, he's like a lot of people you, you encounter in mundane jobs. They're eminently ignorable, but they're actually just as humane, hu- human, and just as uh, intelligent as some of the great you know, intellects. You just haven't had the opportunity.
1: Because what we do is... Doesn't spend time written on a page. It is completely three dimensional and organic. I mean, what we do at great length, at great, over a long period, is to work at not just the idea of the character or the condition of their lives, which is the kind of thing Tim has been talking about, but the way that they each manifestly exist. In other words, we're simply dealing in the physical, psychological, emotional, um, palpable language. What some, uh, you know, some people talk about body language. I, it's not in my vocabulary, but that's what people talk about. And that we all of us, I mean, everybody in this room has a whole range of physical manifestations that are all to do with our idea of ourselves and our idea of how other people see us and our cultural, um, educational, uh, class aspirational, all kinds of stuff that motivate um, how we actually are physically and how we behave, and all that stuff, and that 's equally important and that 's the sort of stuff that is um, there in phil and which your question is about
0: and Leslie, how did you find the, what was the key for you to finding penny 's behavior you know how how did you find her character
3: it 's very difficult to talk about it in that way because because it, it, it as i said earlier it 's not about sitting down and making conscious decisions and so nothing is kind of uh, labeled onto a character that you think oh let's make her like this because that'll make her interesting yeah. you know they, it's really much more subtle than that it, it it does happen over a long period of time and as i said it's it, it it really starts with the with the child that you you get on the go and then you know they are the child is what they are and then the, they become older and older and they develop and it happens in that way it's
1: If I may say so, the question you ask is, is in a way, in the language of what normally happens when people work on characters Mm -hmm. conventionally Mm -hmm. in a script, you say, well, you know, how do we, what should we do to make, what are the keys, what can we hang on to make this character work, to come alive, what can we... Breathe into this thing that's on the page, yeah. so you know, and it's that sort of language. I mean, over and above all the kind of you know sort of uh, uh, lofty things that we're saying, the main thing about this is we make these people up. You know, we actually invent these characters. I mean, we actually invent all these, invent this whole world, and it's all about that. Really. And we don't.
3: I mean, when you're working on more conventional scripts, obviously you are thinking in that way. You know, mm-hmm. you're, you 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 you've got a script and you've got a. Um, a, a set of events that will happen and things that happen to your character and then you have to try and find a way as an actor that justifies those things mm-hmm. happening but we're not working in that way you're, you're coming at it from a, a different angle so the same set of questions don't really apply Rehearsal process versus the production process if you're rehearsing for six months
0: discovering story and then uh, shooting the other and have you already discovered the story by the end of the rehearsal process before you start shooting?
1: No, absolutely not. And in fact, it's a very good question, a very useful one. The truth of the matter is that we don't in any way during the uh, preliminary six months um, resolve the whole thing. We absolutely don't do that. In fact, what we do when we go out to shoot the film, we go out and make a film up and We go through the whole, that the film evolves and grows as we shoot it. And what we do for the six months prior to that is to prepare ourselves for that process. Because what underlies your question is the fact that it doesn't matter what the hell you do before you get to shoot. What matters is what happens when you shoot, because it's a film. Um, And all the other stuff is merely preparatory. And in fact... Not only is it all about actors and acting and characters and relationships and all of that and themes and and that side of things, the definition of the the material as we film it is equally a matter of design and cinematography and shots and sound and all of those things, because it's a film. When we're shooting these films, you know, technicians and people say, it's extraordinary. I mean, how do they just show up and they seem to. Why are the actors so relaxed? And how is it they always know the lines? And why are they so solid in what they're doing? And why are there no. T- why don't the actors on this film throw terrible tantrums like they do in all other films? Why is it that everybody gets on so well? Why is it so peaceful and harmonious? And why is it so creative? And suddenly people show up and there's no scene, and, and an hour later there's a whole scene there. And so because we prepare it, and, we, and, and, and when you see. Um, Penny and Phil, at the end of the film, as you just have, they finally pull together and suddenly some light comes on, and you see their relation. You suddenly understand what their relationship once was, and they actually you know, are rediscovering something that once existed. He says, You know, you used to make me laugh, and there's a moment. Um, what you are actually seeing physically is something that we actually experienced in the long journey of the rehearsals because the rehearsals are not rehearsals in that preparatory period they are living through the lives of the characters so there was a time way back at the beginning of those six months when these characters came together as very young people and had this very positive relationship and then we went we lived through the years and years and years and, years, and And the accumulation of the layers and layers of of encrustations of of, um, all the things that finally get in the way between them and that was an actuality so in answer to your question what we've done in that preparatory period isn't actually bother with rehearsing a film or fixing up the story, it's preparing ourselves to then go and make up the film working with the crew and developing it as we go along
0: But on the, literally, on the day of the shoot, then, you show up, or whenever you show up in the morning, what do you know about what's going to happen?
1: What you've just seen is a film where every moment was very precisely rehearsed during the course of the shoot. You know, some days are rehearsal days, and some days
0: are filming days. And it seems to me that something should have come out between them before this lady. You really didn't need. This lady or the son even gets sick, realistically speaking, because they had it within themselves
1: beforehand, and you knew that. Well, if I may say so, I mean that is that is a romantic, I'm sorry, a romantic and or, a, or certainly optimistic view of it. I mean, I, you know, if we were to agree on that, then we are merely saying that in an ideal world. That's the situation. Look, this film is a dramatic, metaphorical film. It is not a documentary. Um, no, I'm serious. And, and, and it is, I mean, of course, you see, as in any heightened and distilled dramatic piece of cinema, or indeed theatre, you see events that are um, arranged in a, what in this case I would suggest is a kind of classical way, in order to um, get to the core of the issues. Now, apart from the fact that I think it is in, t- in, in real life terms, to millions of people all around, all around the planet, it is entirely plausible that, that relationships lie um, dormant and buried and you know, communication breaks down and it takes a crisis or something to precipitate something, to, to break that, which is what the film is actually about. The main thing is that that happens because the film is also about, on another level, about fate and about the fact that it, you know, sometimes, you know, it's curious how things do happen together at the same time. You can decode this film in lots of different ways. I mean, you know, if you want to talk about it in Greek classical terms, you know, Phil is on a journey and he meets a messenger who. you know, tests him and then gives him a message. And at this precise moment, something is happening of a calamitous nature. You know, it, it, from a thematic point of view, it, it, it's for you to take away from the film the, the differences that you uh, discern between those two couples. I mean, you have to look at it as all part of a whole. You could say, why is Maureen so positive and so able to cope when she, in some ways, has got less than anybody else, really? Um, but you have to look at these characters in relation to each other uh, as a thematic collective, if you like, in order to take away from the film uh, conclusions about the nature of how we live.
0: And Phil seems quite open to that. I mean, he it's set up that he knows it. talks about how you, you don't know what's going to happen every, every day when you wake up.
2: Well, yeah, I mean, the thing is about Phil is that he's an armchair philosopher to a certain degree. You know, this is what might films say often, you know, that this is, which is an indirect answer to that question, is that this is the way people are, not how you want them to be. And um, Phil's predicament is that although he's a naturally intelligent, uh, somewhat lazy man, every time he gets anywhere close to realizing what his problem is, it compounds his situation it doesn't make him proactive and say I'm an overweight uh, unproductive man that kind of understands that his wife is pissed off of him because he's not taking the ball by the horns and, and helping the situation by being proactive. What it does is it makes him his despair compounds his condition. So when he gets more despairing he gets lazier instead of when he gets uh, more despairing, he wakes up and all of a sudden becomes like somebody in another film that would go hey, I'm a boring fat man that should wake up And then, <laughs> like, um, what happens, like it does in life, to a lot of people they don't have that control, they don't have an objective view of their own lives, they don't have uh, group therapy, or
1: choices.
2: or choices they don't do that, they may be intelligent, but they are the victims of their own predicament. He can't, you know, he's not going to be helped by anybody. Uh, this family is not going to be all of a sudden corralled into family therapy. <laughs> you know, you know, it's, they are, they live where they do, and they are, they are, you know, they're pretty low on the run of, on the food chain of... Uh
1: Saying that it's like divine intervention, that they were saved, and I, I, I'm trying to say that that's not really the case, that you set it up that I think it's entirely your prerogative to think that, but I think in a way, with all due respect, that's more to do with your view of life and the world. You know, what I'm inviting you to do through the film is to look at the way, as Tim says, people are in a less than ideal world. That Phil has this going on inside of him. And when the French woman raises that question, he's listening to that question because he has that question
0: within himself and it has a meaning and a resonance of If he weren't ready for
1: it, he wouldn't hear it. Mean, I think that's, that really is a very useful key to the answer to the previous question because neither the cart attack nor uh, the chance conversation with the French passenger are in, in any real way absolute cataclysmic causes of change they simply uh, exacerbate things that were abs- things that were already there i mean that obviously and in that sense of course that's what it's about you produce
0: obviously a great deal of emotion in your audience and the viewer i wonder how your experience of that emotion is different from ours obviously it's many months longer
3: when i watch the film i i i get very emotionally tied up with it. Other characters, as well as my own, and, I, and, I, and that's peculiar. I find that rather peculiar, that I, I, I feel moved by Penny. And I, I suppose it's partly because um, she does feel like some, you know something, somebody who's sitting next to me as opposed to me. Um, so I do get very uh, wound up in it, watching it sort of objectively. Um, Doing it is something else, and and that, for me anyway, is, is um, um, in a way like doing anything else that's de- that that is emotionally demanding. It, it, at the end of the day, it requires a an acting te- a technique to get you through doing stuff like that. Um, I mean, we know the characters and we know what they're doing, and we absolutely know how they're going to react and how they're going to be. But um, uh, the process of filming is, is the same with Mike as it yeah. is really to an observer. would be pretty much the same on any job that you do, any filming job that you do once you get to that point. Um, and, uh, you know, you just have to f- find the way that gets you through a day where you've got to do a lot of emotional stuff. But it's not um, um, a kind of depressing experience where we're all walking around, you know, being dip grim and not speaking to each other all day. You know, we, you, do, you, you get very used to the whole thing of going into character and coming out of character. And the, 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 the more in touch with your character you are, and by the time you get to filming, you're very in touch with your character. You know, you can go, go in and out of character fairly easily with, with, without kind of great build-up or preparation. Um, so you do a scene like that, and then you know we'll we'll stop and we'll have a laugh and have a cup of tea and talk about something else, and then go back into it and do it again.
2: There is this very very strong definition between yourself and the character. It's absolutely um, precise. You you put your character on and you take it off like a suit. So okay, so you still have to get in touch with various things inside yourself to make characters feel upset but on the whole there's you and there's the character and you say you know you put it on and you take it off and it's very helpful
1: but but i I would say at the most basic and straightforward level there is nothing fake about any of this the depth of emotion and the sheer um, power and resonance of all of that absolutely happened when we shot it and we were absolutely committed to it. And in fact, I mean, notwithstanding I mean, what Tim and Leslie have just talked about um, is about the necessary things that actors have to do to cope with doing this stuff. But I mean, you know, they in a way they inadvertently demean themselves in terms of their achievement because the fact is at the most emotional scenes of this, they really were in it. And of course, for me, what's, what's impo- very important and always very uh, useful, is, is the way that the crew relates to what's going on. And when we're shooting, particularly the really kind of traumatic stuff, I mean, the crew is absolutely there, and the atmosphere, you can cut it with a knife. And I mean, the bottom line is quite simple, that you know, if we don't actually experience it when we're making the film, how the hell can we <laughs> ever expect you to? How the tragedy is that you sit and watch any number of movies where they didn't really experience it and they still expect you to and what you're looking at is bullshit with this film I mean at the risk of being a little bit smug about it the emotions were there for real and we absolutely you know um, felt it I mean speaking just for myself I if I'm not um, seriously moved to the depths of my emotions when I'm working on this material then I, then I think it's not working and I don't want to put it
3: in front of an audience. The question is, when you go to other quote unquote normal work in which you show up and you look over and say, okay, we're
1: doing, I mean, how do you make that transition?
2: The difference between working with Mike and a conventional film, as you probably know, is the difference between six months' rehearsal and six minutes, you know, <laughs> uh, which means that you have to do a lot more. You, it means you, what you realize, I think. Uh, every time I'm reminded I work with Mike, and I've worked with Mike, as Leslie has, for six times over 21 years, is that you really have to do your homework. You do very little homework with Mike because it's all there all the time, and it's shared, and it's collaborative.
3: Yeah, I mean, there's no getting away from it. It's, um, the, general, the general state in England is, I'm sure, is the same here. There's no rehearsals, and you just have to get on with it, and there's, there's absolutely nothing you can do about that. Um, and sometimes, even even if you you know in England, if you have a few days rehearsal, you feel lucky. But you could have a few days rehearsal with somebody who doesn't even know what to do, mm. with a director who doesn't even know how to help you in those few days. But I mean, unquestionably, what you what I take from my work with Mike is the ability to kind of praise see the whole process and do it by myself um, and you know get the character together at home and then go to go to work and hope that you get a little bit of something that helps you and cuz i don't like doing it on my own i mean I, I i i like working with i can come up with a character and i can you know i can do the acting but i don't know if it's in the right mold i don't know if i'm off on the wrong tangent you know i need a Third eye telling me what's right and wrong, and so I, I don't enjoy it when, when uh, I think what happens a lot is, is that you know people get you in because they know who you are and they, they know they think they like your work and they sort of think oh well let's get Tim or lady because they'll turn up and they'll, they'll come up with something interesting. But well, Exactly, it's a, actually, direct, it's not a director. Yeah, a director like said that
2: to me once. Um, I said what do you, uh, what you what what are you expecting of... He said, oh, you'll be all right, because you've done all them films with Mike, haven't you? (laughs) (laughs) And also, I
3: think people expect you, when they know that you've worked with Mike, they, they, um, A, expect you to come up with something brilliant, you know, by yourself. And um, they also... uh, think that if a scene doesn't work in a scripted piece, that, um, <laughs> you, that, that you can just start improvising it. <laughs> not, under, not understanding that, you know, it's one thing to improvise in the way that we do, which is very carefully and, you know, uh, uh, and not an immediate thing that you do either and it 's quite a different thing to just turn up on the set and start improvising when there 's no shared information and you don 't know what the game is and nobody knows what the other character 's about and it 's all just to try and make a scene work that doesn 't work on paper and I get really pissed off about that because you think well you 've got a script let 's do the script and if the script doesn 't work, give it back to the scriptwriter, but don 't get us in to try and sort it out you know
1: i just suddenly realized i never thought of this but I went somewhere along the line and i'm missing a trick i could be making some money out of. <laughs> <laughs>
0: you ever get in a you know in a case where you are kind of trying to bully or, or cajole the film in a certain direction and
1: the actors are kind of resisting you no i mean it's mean, an interesting way to put it but it's <laughs> nothing to do with what it's about because i'm a writer and a director i don't know i don't i find it impossible to draw any distinction between those? For me, it's one welded, homogenous job. If anything, if anything is going on that doesn't work for the actors, in the sense that they feel it's inorganic or an imposition or wrong, then it's then it's not good enough to be uh, in the film. What doesn't so that what doesn't happen is a kind of free for all. that, I mean, a great deal of what goes into the film is organic and grows out of things that happen out of the characters. But my, um, as I would see it, the art of my input, if you like to put it in those terms, is to stimulate things so that they are, they, then they grow in an organic way. I mean, it's, uh, uh, so it's, it's not, there's no tension in that sense. I mean, obviously, you know, there's no question that the decision to have a heart attack it's a deus ex machina decision on my part, but that is the function of a dramatist. Um, similarly, the putting together of all the characters, even the putting together of these characters, is you know, my I mean, I, I, it's my decision somewhere along the line. I, mean, I put them together. But, you know, then the thing is to draw, from, to use and to, to develop together what happens out of that. But that is in the nature of storytelling. I don't, in other words, what I'm saying is, it's not a kind of, you know, some kind of impurity or some kind of tension. It is in the nature of what we're doing, which is to make up stories and make up stories that are interesting. Thus, it is what it is. You know, you plant things and water them, and as long as you choose the right seeds and plant them in the right place and arrange them in the right configuration, and then you tend, nurture them and you know tend them, then they grow into a garden that makes its own kind of sense.
3: A big chunk of what Mike's doing is observing what we're doing, observing the people that we're becoming and the emotional tensions and uh, feelings that are developing between the characters. So it's not a case of him suddenly I I see where you're coming from and the question you're asking but it's not like him suddenly throwing in something that's going to make us all think oh my god he's doing that for an effect because he wants the film to go in this territory you know it, it, it is all as he says it's born out of what what he observes that we're doing I mean we and we do improvisations that last an awful long time you know hours where there is no pressure on us ever uh, in fact we are p- particularly informed never to try and make an improvisation interesting you know that is not the name of the game at all So we all do improvisations that last hours, where we, this family just sit and eat, watch the telly most of the time, go to the loo, read a book, do the crossword. You know, nothing happens in inverted commas. But through all of that, you get to see what these people feel about each other. And that's what Mike's observing. So a huge amount of his Mm. time, once we're up and running with the characters, is to observe... (laughs) emotionally what's going on between them so that then when he does bring in, feed in something, which for, the, for all the reasons that he says he has to because at the end of the day he's the dramatist, it's not like having something alien thrown in, it, it's it's all right.
2: It always feels organic doesn't it? It always feels it never feels like an imposition, I mean you know Mike's objective view is, uh, is supreme uh, and his mixture of gardening and chemistry and alchemy that uh, he's working on all the time. You never feel in any sense uh, that you're being uh, forced into anything. Uh, I've often said that it's a real mixture of being, um, from an acting point of view, incredibly uh, subjective, subjectively aware of what your character's condition is. But uh, as much as you're enlightened by your character, you're totally in the dark about where it's going. That's, and then you, as an actor, you just trust that Mike's, what he's doing, is engendering everything. But his overview will lead you into this area. And you go, not willingly, or not, well, you don't even have to go willingly. You're going like you are a human being who this series of events eventually takes you. So that's uh, Are there other directors?
0: Who have
1: been working in this style that you're talking about? No, as far, I'm not aware of anybody who's worked in this style. I mean, there are people who have uh, attempted to, people who have um, done what they call um, using this technique, but I don't know what that means. Really, it doesn't mean anything much. Um, mm. There's a Danish film looking around, but apparently um, I haven't seen it. Apparently it's very good, but its director claims to use my Technique. I don't know what it means that because it's like saying that you know you use Van Gogh's technique to paint the picture of some daffodils, but that <laughs> doesn't mean anything as far as I'm aware. I don't know what Van Gogh's technique was really, um, but I know that if you get a flat a puncture, you, there's a technique for changing the wheel on your car, but that's as far as I understand it. So, so far as in any real sense, uh, I don't think, but then I don't see any why anybody should. Um, what I do because it's totally personal and utterly idiosyncratic and deeply eccentric. As far as I know.
0: <laughs> what, do you, what do you start with? You talked about this nine-month process of, sh- of rehearsal and shooting. What is the initial For me, it
1: Comes out of feelings and just a general ongoing sense of. I mean, there are ongoing preoccupations. That all art is a synthesis of improvisation and order. All artists improvise and then put order on it. You have you know, there's a lot of serendipity is involved in whatever you do. Part of the creative process is to to meet uh, a whole load of actors. I mean, I know hundreds of actors in England, but it's always worth meeting new ones, particularly young ones. And when I was auditioning for this particular film, having already agreed with Tim and Leslie that they should take part, I saw a lot of young actors, and amongst these young actors were two actors, um, an actor and an actor, who you wouldn't have to be particularly clairvoyant, in fact, you'd have to be something other than you'd have to be actually blind or dead, not to (laughs) spot that they were both quite fat and that they could play brother and sister. (laughs) Um, And they could possibly be the children of this particular couple played by these actors, conceivably. And that, you know... I thought, well, that's a good idea, and they both turned out to be very good at young actors, Alison Garland and James Court. And I got them in, and they became part of the way. Now, once having made that decision, that then, you know, resonates back to ideas about, you know, which I've dealt with before and which are ongoing preoccupations about, you know, living and food and heart conditions and various other things, but you know, and surviving and the frustration and stuff, which. Uh, is part, you know, is one of the those are strands that are going on in the film. There's a whole collection of, as there is for any sort of artist, with, of ideas and feelings, and, you know, it's a film about love and that, the things that I wanted to kind of try and deal with in that area, and discover what the film is by the process of making it. And that carries on right through to the editing, finally, because you, and that is how people make art. Unfortunately, um, it's in the nature of commercial. Hollywood cinema, but that doesn't happen very much because great committees of people kill any sort of investigation, stone dead, by you know, trying to formalize everything that happens in a movie.
0: And do you, do you feel optimistic about the uh, conditions now in, in England to make films? I mean, we've seen so this has been such a strong year.
1: It comes and goes, and mm-hmm. um, there are some good films being made and quite a lot of bad films being made, but at least films are being made.
0: When I see these films, I see a great deal of abstraction in the acting. Very heightened, um, almost artificial um, acting styles. And that's a big part of the impact of the film.
1: I'm always a little um, surprised that these films are discussed in terms of documentary acting realism. I couldn't agree more. Um, Nothing is more ridiculous than when a film like this is discussed uh, in terms of naturalism and uh, documentary i think it's utter nonsense um this obviously is a very heightened and distilled um kind of cinema uh of course um what's important is that at any given moment this is about realism not naturalism you absolutely you know um relate to these characters in a completely uh, total way in the moment because they are they read as being absolutely real, because they are um, reflections and depictions of real people as people are. But the actual um, dynamics and chemistry of what is going on is undoubtedly uh, extremely heightened and, as I say, distilled, and not at all about naturalism. So you're absolutely right, if I understand you correctly.
0: Okay, well, I, I really can't thank you enough for sharing this uh, great evening with us. So uh, thanks for being here. <laughs> Thank you for listening. The Pinewood Dialogues at Museum of the Moving Image are made possible by generous support from the Pannonia Foundation. To learn more about the museum, visit www.movingimage.us.